the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, each of us needs to make our own decision as to if we're going to accept and receive Jesus Christ for who he claims to be. You know, somebody has observed there's only three options. Either Jesus was a liar, or he was a lunatic, or he's Lord. Jesus said that I have come so that all may have eternal life. Salvation is available to everyone, but it is an individual decision to accept that salvation, isn't it? Welcome to the Monday edition of Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Our teacher each day, Monday through Friday, is Senior Pastor Leighton Sheely, and I'm Mike Trout. So glad you've joined us. You can find out more about us on the web, always at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Continuing his study in the book of John, here's Pastor Leighton. Now, through the centuries, skeptics have questioned who Jesus is, and other skeptics have, have wondered who Jesus claimed to be. In fact, just a few years ago, a group of supposedly illustrious scholars got together to, and came to the conclusion that Jesus never really claimed to be God. Well, verse 17 and following make it clear that Jesus did indeed claim to be God. And it was this claim, even more than his disregard for the Sabbath, that inflamed the religious leaders to desire to kill him. Jesus oftentimes spoke of his otherworldly origin, of having preexisted in heaven before the coming into this world. In John chapter 16, he told his disciples, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. When the Samaritan woman came to and and said, I know that the Messiah is coming. He is called Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. Jesus replied, I who speak to you am he. When he was on trial for his life and he was asked the question, are you the son of God then? He said, yes, I am. Luke chapter 22. Jesus Christ claimed absolute equality with God. And that's why he could say, I and the Father are one, chapter 10. And he who has seen me has seen the Father, chapter 14. Jesus presumed all of the prerogatives of deity. He claimed to have control over people's eternal destinies in chapter 8. The power to answer prayer, John chapter 14. The power and right to receive worship, Matthew 21. He assumed the right to forgive sins, Mark chapter 2 something that only God can do. And the Lord's favorite description of himself was son of man. You've heard that phrase oftentimes. You know what that means and where it comes from? It comes from Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. You want to hear it in context? I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the son of man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the ancient of days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom shall not be destroyed. When Jesus was using that title, Son of Man, those 
religious Jewish authorities understood that he was claiming to be the son of God. And when they stood before Pilate asking for his execution, they said, we have a law, and by that law he ought to die because he's made himself out to be the son of God. So when Jesus healed the crippled man on the Sabbath, he didn't argue with the leaders about how biblical their laws were. He did something more radical. He maintained and claimed that he was equal with God and had a right to do whatever he wanted on the Sabbath. And that makes this one of the most profound Christological discourses in scriptures. Verses 17 through verse 24, in those verses, Jesus makes five unmistakable claims to full equality with God. He claims to be equal with God in person, works, power, judgment, and honor. No wonder the religious leaders wanted to kill him. Verse 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say it to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he is doing, and greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. He says, truly, truly, it's only found in the Gospel of John. It says, pay attention, this is important. Everything in Scripture is important. Some things are even more important. The first thing that he claims is that is Jesus claimed to be equal with God in his works. He said, I can do whatever the Father does. Now, obviously, only somebody who is God can do whatever God does. And so Jesus' statement is a clear declaration of his own divinity. He says, for the Father loves the Son. The word loves there is not agape, it's phileo. Speaking of brotherly love, warmth and affection and relationship. A relationship in which there is there's no room for ignorance. Jesus was fully aware of God and God's will and God's desire. And he says, in greater works than these will he show them so that you might marvel. Beyond healing this crippled man, he was going to raise people from the dead. He was going to bring judgment. And as a result, his, the people would marvel. Verse 21, for as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. So he claimed to be equal with God in power because the Bible teaches only God can give life. And yet Jesus, on numerous occasions, raised people from the dead and even gave them spiritual life. Verse 22, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Here he claims to be equal with God in judgment. Now the Old Testament teaches that God is the judge of all the earth. And Jesus says that the, God, that the Father has given all judgment to the Son. They're in perfect harmony. The judgment that God the Father would give is the same judgment that God the Son would give. And on that terrible day of judgment, those who rejected Jesus will hear him say, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus is going to be judge on that day of judgment. Verse 23, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Here Jesus claims that all will honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He claimed equality with God. But God, through his prophet Isaiah in chapter 42, said, I will not give my glory to another. So the only way that Jesus could receive the glory of God is by being God. And that's what we are told in Scripture, and that's what he claims to be. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word 
was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now the whole stress of this present passage is on the unity between the Father and the Son. And it's on the basis of Jesus Christ being equal to God that we have a warning beginning in chapter, in verse 25. You know, each of us needs to make our own decision as to if we're going to accept and receive Jesus Christ for who he claims to be. You know, somebody has observed there's only three options. Either Jesus was a liar, or he was a lunatic, or he's Lord. Somebody wrote a kind of a poetic synopsis called One Solitary Life. Speaking of Jesus, he was born in an obscure village, the son of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he became a wandering preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through a mockery of a trial. He was executed by the state. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on worth, which, by the way, was described in great detail in Psalm chapter 22, written many centuries before it actually happened. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend, Joseph of Arimathea. Twenty centuries have come and gone, and today he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of mankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned put together have not affected, blessed the life of mankind on this earth as much as that one solitary life, the life of Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior. Let me propose to you that there is overwhelming evidence that supports that Jesus Christ is indeed God incarnate. Incarnate meaning God in human flesh. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word became flesh. Now why did the Word have to become flesh? Hebrews chapter 2 gives us the answer to that question. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. God can't die. As a human being, he could die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who've lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. It was necessary for him to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. So that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. And then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. And we know what that sacrifice was. It was himself. 
the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the, of the world, going to Calvary's cross, paying the wages of our sin, which is death, being buried, rising again on the third day, just as he promised that he would, to prove that he was indeed who he claimed to be, and he is our Savior and Lord. Amen. Yes, amen. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. This is Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and I'm Mike Trout. On this Monday edition, we've continued in the book of John, and if you've missed the messages that we've aired in the past from the book of John from this study, you can find them on our website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Please remember, we're also a nonprofit outreach and depend upon your partnership, your participation with us, both prayerfully and financially. You can give safely when you go to that website again, highlands.us. And you'll find details about the services on the weekend and the other ministries happening now at Church of the Highlands. Again, details are on that website, highlands.us. Come back tomorrow at this same time when once again we'll open the Word of God and study verse by verse. This program is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno.